Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is, I'm really excited about this, the general manager from the Eugene Emeralds, Alan Benavides. Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk to you. It's going to be cool. Yeah, this is really exciting for me. I worked at the Ems Games for four years, all the way back in 96 to 2000 at uh, Civic Stadium. So the Eugene Emeralds are near and dear to my heart. And so, uh, Shout out to Sean Van Gordon for making this happen. He, Mayor Sean Van Gordon, he messaged me and said that you had met and talked about uh, the potential relocation to Springfield, which we're going to talk about today. And he asked, he's like, hey, do you want to interview Alan from the the M's? And I'm like, of course, like that would be amazing. So let's do that. So you used to work for the team. We could have used you this summer. I mean, God, we need, we need people. <laughs> Fortunately, I do have an actual career now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As a barber. Uh, but you know, I'm, I've considered in the future, maybe next summer, I've considered doing that. Maybe I don't drink, but pouring beer, that would be kind of fun, you know, something like that. So it's probably I, the most coveted game day job. I know that I, I, I could imagine. And when I was a kid, the, the rules were a lot different and I drank way too much at there at the games at 16 years old. I hope that's changed. <laughs> so Yes, that is changed. So for the sure. OLCC, yes, yeah. if they're listening. That does not happen. No, I couldn't <laughs> believe some of the stuff we got away with back in those days. Anyways, let's move on. So uh, let's talk first about the early days. You've been with the M since 2010 as the general manager. And f- really quick. Yeah. A lot of people don't really have any concept of what this does, like what your job is. So explain to me everything that a general manager is tasked with doing. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, we manage, you know, general manager, like in my position, I manage the team, the relationship with the affiliate, um, relationship with the city and the university. Um, But as far as like my team is concerned, I have about 15 year round employees at the short season level expand to about 25, 30 employees year round when we go full season, which we already are actually. Um, And then we manage all our own food and beverage. We manage all of our concessions, all of our merchandise, all the sponsorships, all the ticket sales. And so I have directors in each one of those roles. I manage them, making sure that they're doing their job and performing as best they can, making sure that sales reports and, you know, are, you know, that we're working in the off season, making sure that our sponsors are done, tickets are done, groups, planning all of our events. I jokingly say that, you know, running a baseball team is like running a wedding almost like an event, you know, like we're planning 38 weddings 
right? Each event has got some plan or rhyme to it, right? Whether it's Star Wars night, whether it's Princess night, you know, all those things take a lot of planning. And then we try to figure out, you know, what groups would be good for those. Um, part of our business is we're very focused on group sales. And so we do a big, we have a big effort in trying to get out into the community and working with schools, cities, corporations, churches, whatever it may be to get people to come to the ballpark. Um, and that's a big focus in our off season. Um, again, managing the relationship with the affiliate um, is a little different. That is something that, you know, doesn't take the whole staff, but it's mostly me talking with the general manager, the farm director for the affiliate, whether it was the Padres, the Cubs, now the Giants, making sure that everything's being taken care of and we're hosting the players and doing all that properly. You know, a lot of people think that like the general manager of a minor league baseball team is making the calls as to like, who's playing second, who's playing, no, the big league club, the big league club does all of that, right? I mean, so much so that a lot of those directives come directly from the farm director and GMs and, are, you know, and they're told to our managers and who's playing and what's the lineup look like. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of that happens direct from the big league club. So, yeah. so back you know, in, in, in my day, uh, the general manager was Bob B band. He was yeah. with the organization for 29 years, a staple in, in Eugene. Uh, and so when you got this job, now that you've been here for 10 years, I think it's really great because it shows that you're, you're into it, like that you're here to stay. You know, a lot of times when there's different things, especially in a, in a world like minor league baseball with a manager or with maybe a scouting director or whatnot, their, their goal is to move up. You know, when you got the position, did you think that 10 years later you'd be sitting here still? I mean, not, not still, but want to be here, you know? Yeah. I mean, Bob was the GM for 29 damn near, years. 30, yeah. Th damn near 30 years. Right. Like, you know, for me, this position is something that I want to stay here for a long time. And I knew that from day one. And I've noticed, you know, being a triple A GM and being a short season AGM, you're still a GM, right? Sure. I mean, it's not, the job's not much different other than this capacity of the stadium. Um, there was never an illusion that I wanted to leave. For me, like taking this job, moving away from my family in Southern California was, we were going to make this home. Yeah. So there was never, I get that question a lot. I, I've had opportunities to leave. I've had opportunities to go to double A and triple A. Uh, I really like Eugene um, and I have no intentions in leaving. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I've had, as a barber, I've had a lot of people over the last couple of weeks come in and that work for the M's. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be having Alan on the show. And oh. everyone, everyone talks very highly. And when there's that consistency and loyalty, people will, you know, they'll, they'll, per they'll perform because they know that it's like, okay, we're in this for the long haul. That's really cool. So yeah. now when, when you first came on, one of the things that you really wanted to do was kind of rebrand and that's uh, you know, adding the, the squatch was a big thing. And, and there was, I read an article where you were quoted as saying something needed to be done to freshen things up because quote, at the time we were brought to you by the color green and the letter M <laughs> because you know, the M's. So talk about what your, your vision was with rebranding and, and, and why you wanted to kind of bring life to a minor league baseball team. So, you know, you talk about Bob, you know, taking over for like, this, he's a legend, right? I mean, I remember saying when I got hired, like, it's gonna be tough to pull out of his shadow because Bob had been here for so long, right? And he had really changed the game as far as like hospitality. In fact, you know how we do all those pregame picnics and all that stuff? Bob came up with that yeah. and he took it to the industry. Now all the teams do it, but Bob was the guy who created that. Um, but my, you couldn't find two different GMs though. Like we're polar opposites of each other. Bob was a triple-A triple umpire at one point. It just knows the game incredibly. It's all about baseball. And while I love baseball, grew up playing baseball, uh, I don't, not, you know, 
my job isn't focused on the game of baseball. I know that sounds weird, right? But like my game is really about creating the entertainment and the fun. And like, look, I'll say it. Baseball is boring. Some people think it's super boring. Uh, I love the game when you understand it and the strategy behind it. But, you know, let's be honest. It's a little slow sometimes. But what we want to do is we want to create an environment where everybody has a good time, whether it's mom, the kids, the fun zone, sluggo, the promotions, the, the, the beer, the music, and then baseball, right? right? And so that was, it's always been my focus is just entertainment, making it fun. And we've gotten a lot of awards for that over the years. And when we came in with the brand, uh, when I took over in 2010, there were 160 minor league teams at the time. And our merchandise sales ranked 148th wow. in the country. And so I was like, something's got to change. And we couldn't do anything to our logo or brand until the year 2013. That's when the trademark expired. We had to be consistent with that. And so in 2012, we started doing some research and wanted to brand the team. And really, the Emeralds were the Eugene Emeralds because of the Emerald Valley and the color green. How do you brand yourself around the color green, right? It's tough, you know, without changing the name, um, we had a really tough time figuring out how do we make the brand cooler, right? And so we worked with a company called Brandios. They came up. We had a bunch of like discussions. We went to Lane County Museum. We talked to people in this community and we just started talking about what lives in the Emerald Valley. You know, we, we talked about the, we, you know, we almost had a gnome. We, we had, you know, beavers. We couldn't do that, Eugene. We had, uh, <laughs> we had, you know, you can think about anything you can find in the forest that we were considering. And then all of a sudden we were like Sasquatch, you yeah. know, like, and so he's at the games and we incorporated him into our logo and you can see a Sasquatch sighting at the games if certain things happen. And so we kind of have fun with the brand and changed it up. And now we're in the top 75. Yeah. Uh, it's been a hit. I know that, you know, I like it. on sports video games, I like to create teams. And when you're yeah. searching through the logos, you'll always see the M's logos now, yeah. you know, so that means it's hitting a national audience, which is, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, promotions are huge. And, and when you had taken over from afar, you know, just as a fan watching, I was kind of like, whoa, these are way different types. Like you're saying, completely changing the whole style. And it's really popular in, in minor league baseball to do these goofy kind of nights, like uh, bring your dog to to the park day. That's got to be an interesting one. P you know, how many people bring their dogs? Like a hundred dogs? No, it's several hundred. You know, it was like, you know, 50 the first year, uh, but several hundred now. I mean, we live in a market where over 50% of the households have dogs. Right. It's a super dog friendly town, right? This year we did two dog nights. Um, we considered making every night dog <laughs> and it's still something we talk about every year it's like why don't we just make it a dog friendly ballpark that would be you awesome know? we so, just haven't you know we haven't pulled the trigger on that yet but it's something we should consider every year so now one of the challenges of promotions is copyright so i know one of the most popular nights that's brought me to the park is star wars night oh yeah and so the name of it you guys have to kind of question you know you've been kind of tasked with calling it something else is that right no. no. So Star Wars nights are still Star Wars nights. We just couldn't do them this year because of COVID and some of the regulations that were in place um, by MLB and Lucas. Okay. So we have to go through Lucas Films to get approval to do Star Wars nights. They actually tell us 
when we what nights we can do and whatnot. And so we we have to make a donation. We don't have to pay Lucas anything. They just want to make sure they protect the brand. Sure. And this only started maybe like four or five years ago where we had to work with Lucas. And back in the old days in the Wild West, as we call it, you could do whatever. We would do a Star Wars night and it'd be fine. Once Luke, once Star Wars got sold to like Disney and things got tightened down a little bit, we had to be careful how we did Star Wars nights. I'll give you an example. So we have all these guidelines of when we have characters come in, like they have to be approved by Lucas, you know, so the 501st Garrison out of Portland is who comes down. Um, but like, we got to make sure that like Darth Vader doesn't throw a first pitch because Darth Vader wouldn't throw a first pitch. It's not in his character, right? Um, Luke Skywalker would. So Luke Skywalker, I mean, so we have to like follow these kinds of things and it's, it's kind of silly, but at the same time, they're just trying to protect their brand and it's easily one of our most popular promotions. It's actually bigger than the 4th of July. Yeah. Get, wow. It's huge. Yeah. No, it, it's awesome. And jumping through those hoops though, frustrate, or, you know, maybe a headache, but it's probably worth it. I'm sure. Oh, so. it's way worth it. We would have done, we, we'd do Star Wars night every night if we could. It's that big. It's that popular. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm sure that, you know, the jerseys, uh, the uniforms that get auctioned off, that's a huge hit too, you know, yes. so, so any, any memorabilia is just, you know, wild. Yeah. And that's the, one of the things with Lucasfilm, when we do Star Wars night, we do the Jersey sales. When we sell them, we got to donate all the proceeds. We can't keep any of the rev net revenue. Yeah. So we donate all that to children's miracle network. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. So let's talk about COVID. You know, you'd mentioned it a little bit, the challenge is losing a season, and then when, when things open back up, it seems like, you know, I follow the, the, the Eugene Emeralds Facebook page, and it seems like every week there was, like, an update, like, okay, we're going to have 25% capacity, and you're going to be sitting next to cardboard cutouts, or maybe, an, okay, 50% capacity, okay, full capacity. What has that been like? I mean, that challenge, and then where were you feeling as far as when the season was over? Did you think that was the end for the M's? When the season was, so which way? You, uh, let's well, let's start uh, with let's start with just the uncertainty week by week. You so so with COVID. So this year when it hit, you know we were in 2020 March of 2020. Well, gosh, what are we, what year are we? 2020? <laughs> I think it's still um, 2020 now. No, but anyway. Yeah. So you know the uncertainty of of COVID. You know we lost the whole season. That was really hard. I mean, as far as the whole live event sector, concerts, performing arts, baseball, sports in general, like live events, we got crushed. You know, there wasn't like a rescue plan for live, like baseball. Like we just got crushed. We had PP, uh, PPP money that helped us survive a little bit, but we had to cut 50% of our sales force. And that was tough because a lot of the guys that were with us had been with us for at least five years. I mean, we don't have a lot of turnover. We don't churn employees. People love being here with the team. And I think that's a testament to what we do as a business, you know, some of the leadership, the leadership that we have and some great people. So that was really hard and we lost them. And, you know, come this year, we didn't just, a lot of those folks got other jobs and come back. So we you know, had to rely on a brand new crop of interns and uh, our current staff ended up taking up a lot more of the load because uh, we really couldn't hire a bunch of people, you know, starting the season off with zero fans, then 500 and then 750. And then that, what got, what got tough was, you know, we were told that, you know, you could only bring in a certain number socially distanced. Well, that changes the dynamic of how you seat people with seating seat, you know, season seats who want their current seats, but you can't put them there because six feet distancing, blah, 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 becomes a big pain. And people got upset that we had to move them. But for the most part, everybody was really helpful. And then came the, the, the where we could bring like 1500 fans if 
we did vaccinated and unvaccinated sections, right? And so our vaccinated sections didn't count towards any sort of capacity, which is why we could blow up to 1500 fans, but we had to have an unvaccinated section as well. Well, I don't think I've ever gotten more hate mail than when we did vaccinated and unvaccinated sections, yeah, you know, being called Nazis, being called segregationists, being called, you know, like every name you can think of, right. Uh, as to why we're doing this. And, you know, we were a business that was just trying to open and get as many people in as we could, right. We, we were struggling and we were doing everything we could to increase capacity. That's, that's where we were at. And then, and the funny thing is July 1st, you know, the governor says, everything's open. Like, let's go back to normal. And then we got the opposite. We got everybody pissed off at us that we weren't doing vaccinated only sections. And, you know, what are you gonna do to protect my kid? That's not vaccinated. What are you gonna do to protect? You know, it's like, you just couldn't make anybody happy. Right. Yeah. That was, that was really difficult. Then come early August, Delta variant comes in and like towards the end of July, we had had, I think three or four sellouts. Like things were starting to feel like, okay, here we are. We're getting back, back at it. It feels good. Delta variant hits and cancellations just started happening. Attendance fell off a cliff. Um, and we're kind of back at that, like feels like mid June kind of like level. Right. So, you know, we have four games left. We're making everybody mask up. Um, and uh, hopefully we can get through this and uh, hopefully next year it's a little better. Yeah. And I had alluded a little bit to a rumor of potentially losing the team. So now that yeah, has yeah. more to do. Yeah. Would you say that has more to do with the fact that, you know, major league baseball was cutting, single a short season and so it was kind of up in the air like what was going to happen with the whole league this is more complicated than covid i mean i don't want to get too crazy into it because it takes forever sure but major league baseball minor league baseball essentially the agreement between the two groups ceased september of 2020 right so after we didn't have a season that relationship ceased to exist major league baseball took over minor league baseball essentially and created their own system which is the professional development league, which is what we know as minor league baseball. And in that system, they got rid of 40 teams. They got rid of 40 of the 160 teams. So now there's only 120 teams left. And we had heard that all a short season was going away. Rookie ball was going away. We were really like concerned about, are we going to, you know, what's going to happen to us? You know, we had no idea. Come December, the list is put out and we are, we made the cut. Wow. Super excited. Uh, but not all the teams in our league made the cut. You know, our team, our league in the Northwest league was eight teams and we had uh, the Boise Hawks and the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes. They got cut. Yeah. And uh, so now there's only six of us in this league. And uh, we went from 76 home, uh, total games to 132 in the non COVID year. Wow. Is what we're moving to this year. We did 120, but you know, next year we'll be at 132 games. Um, starting in early September, finishing, or excuse me, early April, finishing in mid September. Yeah. So that was pretty, it was a pretty wild roller coaster to see as a fan. Just the little bit of updates we would get here, you know, from the local news and whatnot. At one, one point, they're like, okay, there could potentially not be a team. And then the next thing, it's like, now we're moving up. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad that, that it's, it's moving on. Now, you talk about next season uh, adding games. One of the big uh, challenges is PK Park, you know, so. Is there a plan in place for next season where you'll be playing? We'll be playing at PK. So we'll be playing at PK for at least the next two years. Okay. Uh, as, as we try to find, figure out the stadium solution. You know, people, a lot of people think that it's, 
you know, this like scheduling issue and why can't we make PK work? Well, there's a, there's a variety of issues. Scheduling is one of the big ones, but facilities are another big one. There's only one locker room at PK. You know, our game is changing. We need, we need facilities for women coaches, women trainers, women umpires. None of that exists at the current ballpark. So there's a framework of what we need as a stadium that major league baseball requires in PK park, aside from the field and the wall and the dugouts, doesn't meet any of those standards. Yeah. And so we have a sunset of three years of that. This needs to be fixed. And that's what we're currently doing is we're trying to secure a location, trying to figure out the funding of how we're going to build a new stadium that can host events 365 days out of the year. You know, we're not going to do an event every year, but we'd like to host something where we can host our 66 games, do some concerts, do some large events for the high schools, graduations, Christmas events, Halloween events. Um, and really make it a fun uh, facility for the community. Yeah, so there's been some talk uh, about potentially moving to Springfield. I know right now there's nothing concrete, but what does that process look like? You know, I mean, as far as how would you, how would that be? I mean, the funding, you know, that element of it, would taxpayers have to be paying for that or would it be completely funded by the team? Yeah. So we have to build a stadium roughly, you know, we don't have a site, so it's hard to say how much it's going to cost, but we're going to imagine it's going to cost anywhere between 35 to $45 million to build the stadium, right? Hopefully a stadium that can seat roughly 4,000 people with another 2,000 in picnics in like a berm area around the outfield is what we'd like to see. So 6,000 total. Um, work as the, as the team, we're coming in with 25% of the build. So whatever that is, we're probably going to put in about 25% um, and then we're ho hoping that we can get some of this, the rest of it done through either some federal dollars through ARPA or through some state bonding, some video lottery bonds. We're looking at economic redevelopment money that can help build the stadium. The one thing, we don't really have time to go to a vote and like put this whole, you know, bond out or whatever that the voters could vote on. We just don't have time for that. Sure. Uh, we're going to lose the team. We got, we got to build this in like 30 months. And so we're hoping that we can maybe talk about getting some hotel tax uh, that can help build a stadium for the community that can also draw in more events for the local hotels and whatnot. So we do think there's a path forward. Um, and, you know, there has to be because we can't lose this team. Like this, this team is way too important oh, yeah. uh, for the community. And uh, we believe that we do a really good job throughout the year with all the community support that we've done since we've, you know, since I've gotten here, we've been very active in the community and want to continue to help support this community, give back and put on some good events for uh, the families and locals of Eugene Springfield. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Springfield would love to step up and have it. We'll see. There's been a lot of talk, you know, there, there was the in, indoor, in, indoor track, indoor track that was was supposed to happen kind of fell through and there's so there's a property there kind of deeper into Springfield but also uh I've been reading some stuff about riverfront property in Glenwood yeah. I actually think that that would make a lot of sense you know I'm not sure exactly how it works I'll be having Mayor Sean Van Gordon on the podcast on the 18th and I'll talk to him more about it but I was under the impression that Glenwood is kind of uh, annexed by Springfield so they would that's technically almost part of Springfield but location wise I think it would make so much sense Traffic, if it's way deep into Springfield, would be interesting to see how it all plays out. I've been hearing all these crazy rumors. The M's moving to Springfield. You know, we're hearing In-N-Out Burger possibly moving to Springfield. It's it's pretty wild. I grew up in Springfield, so it'd be it'd be kind of interesting to see some of those changes. Uh, yeah. The Glenwood property is something we're still considering. I know that we had pulled out of the Cedar property back in April, but we're still considering strongly 
looking into the Glenwood property. I mean, that footprint of a stadium in that river bend would be unbelievable, an incredible setting, probably one of the prettiest settings I can think of in minor league baseball, but also the proximity to downtown Springfield, the closeness to Eugene yeah. off the freeway. Like it just, it makes a lot of sense, but these aren't things that are, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to figure that out. So would that be just theoretically, would that be yeah. the, the, the center field you, the, from the, from home plate, you'd be facing the river. That's ideally what we would want. Yeah. That would be amazing. Like, like in, in the giants, you know, obviously is the affiliate. So uh, the giants stadium, there's people on, you know, well, it's, yeah, there'd be we, people you know, sitting out look, there in rafts and whatnot, catching home run balls. That would be incredible. That's, you know, if we're just talking, you know, dreaming, right? Like how cool would that be to have some rafts out there, people in kayaks, we see home run balls hit out there. Right. I that, mean, that'd be cool. It's always funny to me when you look at minor league, any, any sports level, especially baseball, where somebody would be up in a tree out. I know that there's some, some traditions like in, in Wrigley field where people like are in apartments and stuff, but it always cracked me up at civic stadium when I was working there years and years ago, because these people would be climbing a tree and they'd be watching from outside the stadium. I'm like, dude, it's $6. Like <laughs> seriously, <laughs> like it's $6. And I mean, obviously that was a long time ago and in inflation and it's more now, but it's still very affordable, and it's a great thing to take the family to. One thing I've always loved about the M's is that there's a perfect balance between family fun and alcohol. And so they, they, they blend it really well. Uh, Civic Stadium was so cool. But I'm a fan of PK Park. It took me a while. I was pretty bitter uh, because of the kind of conflict between the Eugene Emeralds and the, and the University of Oregon. The University of Oregon just pushes and does whatever they want. So I was bitter, and then of course when C when P when uh, Civic Stadium burnt down, it was like a loss, in, like a loss in the family. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I didn't. You know, I just want to touch on that a little bit. I didn't recognize as an outsider in 2010 how important that place was. Uh, moving here from Southern California, right? I mean, that place, it's you, you can't replace it. You yeah. can't. You know, it's irreplaceable. It's the, the memories and like that old wooden structure and the sound and the energy it gave out is something that we cannot create at PK Park. And um, so we create something different. However, people really love that old ballpark. And uh, I'll always remember when I first took over, we lost 75% of our season ticket holders moving from Civic Stadium to PK, 75%. Yeah. You know? I think in any other part of the country, almost any other part of the country, a new ballpark would attract new fans. Yeah. In Eugene, Oregon, we lost fans, you know, because one of the reasons was a lot of people told us, you know, you know, that it, it was hard for me to understand at the time, but this one gentleman, I'll never forget him. He says, you know, he goes, when you guys rip the team out of Eugene and civic stadium and put it with the university of Oregon, he goes, I'll never forgive you for that. He's what he told me. And yeah. I'm like, and I don't know, like the, you know, the, the conflict and the parameters around the love hate relationship between whatever in town. Right. But like him telling me that and saying that you took the one thing that was strictly Eugene, that yes, was, and that's it. Thing. And that's exactly you know? it. And the, you, the Eugene emeralds were our thing. And now you've placed it with the ducks and I'll never forget. No, them. and that's exactly it. it. And that's exactly what I've always said that I'm a duck fan. I root for the ducks, but, totally. but, there's the Ducks, and that's Oregon's thing. And then there's the Eugene Emeralds, and it's Eugene and Springfield. It's us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But And then, you know, it's like with PK Park, you started seeing a little bit more duck polos. 
And and there's something about the duck polo that turns a lot of people off. You know, I wear duck polos. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, I but got just, here too, right? But to certain people, they're like, eh, I'm a little bit more punk rock than that. I'm a little bit more of a hippie or whatever it is, you know, that they just, there's something about it. You know, at Civic Stadium, you had the woman with her little cowbell, <laughs> you know, and it's just, She's still uh, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, but it, it just, I don't know. It, but you guys have done a really, really good job. And I'm one of those people, I wasn't a season ticket holder, I'm not going to lie. But I was somebody that was pretty bitter. And I didn't know. I, at the time, I really just I had a lot to learn about everything. But I didn't know where to direct my frustration with it. And I, don't, I know more now that it's not like you ripped the team. There's so many challenging decisions that were you know, being made on the fly. And some of it, some of it there know, is out of your power. You know, Patty, uh, had we still been at Civic Stadium... I promise you this and say it didn't burn down and say we were still at civic stadium the last 12 years, we would have been cut. Yeah. It's, you know, when the, when my major league baseball reduced the number PK park in many respects, saved the team from getting cut. Visually, even though, sure. yeah, even though the facilities aren't up to standard, the playing surface, the one locker room we get to use it, the hitting facility, those are all things that matter to major league baseball because they, for them, it's about development in the field, in the, playing the playability of PK park far superior to what it was at civic stadium. And we would have been cut. Yeah. It photographs pretty well. I, I know that. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium. It really is. And at night right. it's awesome, you know? So, I mean, that's the, the thing with a new stadium and an old stadium. It's like, there's pros and cons to both. Cool. Now, speaking of a civic stadium burning down for, for once and for all, is there a conspiracy? <laughs> No. Are you serious? No. This, I did not pay those kids to burn it down. Yeah, I've, no. heard, I've heard. I know. I know. I've heard so many things that they're like, they burnt it down. They did it. They did it. You know, but. Who's they? It doesn't even matter anymore. It's whoever you want they to be is who they is in today's world. Right. It's like the opposite of me is who they is. Yeah. You know, we. Uh, what's funny. We we have a big sponsor in Fred Meyer who was trying to build that Fred Meyer. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna build a, remember all that? And uh, we like didn't get really involved with Civic Stadium and the site because we couldn't touch it. Like if we were in favor of this or that, like people were like, "Ah, you, you left it. You, we don't care what your opinion is." So we never talked about it, right? But once it burnt down and recognized that maybe it might turn into this, you know, or uh, disaster, you know, we 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 uh, once the city gave it to Civic Alliance, we got involved. And we donated a quarter million dollars to help uh, get the stadium. It hadn't burnt down at the time yet. It burnt down like three months after we got involved and donated some money. And then we thought that they were going to be able to save it. Um, and then it burnt down and we we're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But now with what they've turned it into for the kids, oh my gosh. I think the legacy of Civic Stadium and having that site still there for, for kids sports and what Bev Smith's doing I am so proud of what they've done to build that for the community. It's a fantastic absolutely, plot. absolutely. They couldn't have done anything better. Yeah. And no knock on Fred Meyer. I just think that there's nothing that could have been done better than what they've done. No, for sure. Know? And so, I mean, I wish so, we had a little baseball. The, the 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 I don't know if you know this, but like the rubber and the plate, they have markers of where Civic Stadium was. Wow. And so it's on the field there, so they still recognize that and hold that. So yeah, my cool. job was the third base picnics. And I got to because were those the big ones? Were those the, the large ones? No, I'm not sure. I, I'm not. No. I don't honestly. I don't think so. I think it was. They were a little bit smaller. It was a little bit less uh, amenities on the on the 
third base side, but it was still awesome. And I managed the, the picnics after my first year, so I was able to drive the golf cart. And so one time I was trying to be a you know, hothead and impress some girls, and I, I, did, I didn't look, and I turned a corner, and I slammed into a fire truck. It was pretty wonderful. No. Yeah, I've got some fun stories about the M's. We <laughs> we, uh, we, I, the, we, we have this great picture of Civic Stadium at the picnics where, like, there's, like, three or four guys standing behind a table. And, like, you remember those old plastic Primark tables they used to have all down there, right? Oh, yeah. 80 beer cups, you know, those eight-ounce oh, yeah. cups filled with beer. And I'm like, like, there was no limit, right? There weren't any rules. No, you had a certain amount of time that you could wait in line to get beer, and you could have two at a time. But as long as you were in line, you could get more. So people would grab two, set them down, go back in line. They'd be drinking one. That was the rule? Yeah, but it was pretty loose. You know, and it was it was amazing. My whole life changed because I lived in Springfield and I worked at the M's games. And my first day of of training, there was this blonde haired, blue eyed girl with a public enemy T-shirt. And I'm like, I'm going to marry that girl. I didn't. Shout out to Stephanie Green. I didn't. But we are still we're still good friends to this day. But she went to South Eugene High School. I met her. I was like, wow, I want to be I met some of her friends. I'm like, I'm transferring schools. So I transferred to South and it totally was the best thing that could happen to me. So there's so many memories that. It, it it put my life in a direction that, you know, because of the Eugene Emeralds. So I always have a, a, a fond memory of, of working there. So, yeah, uh, Alan, it's really great to chat with you today. Uh, I'm excited about uh, seeing what happens in the future. You know, I'm supportive of the Glenwood situation. I'll talk to Sean Van Gordon, Mayor Sean Van Gordon, on the 18th, and I, I'll see what kind of sway that I can have none. But oh, come <laughs> on. So, no, so, hey, thanks for chatting with me today. You know, uh, one more thing I want to talk about that's really interesting. Yeah, what Playoff, want, playoffs, playoffs, yeah. playoffs. No, Pl- playoffs are around the corner. You said you had four games left. This could be really interesting. PK Park, there is scheduling conflicts if yeah. the playoffs come to fruition. So what's that going to look like? If you make the playoffs, will you be playing on the road? Yeah. So if we make playoffs – we can't host any of our games at PK Park because it falls outside of our parameter, our, our lease. Our lease ends September 10th, and the Ducks got to get in and do their fall camp. Um, the Ducks have unfiltered practices for two weeks before the school year starts for them, and so we have to be out. So if we play Spokane, we're going to play all five games in Spokane. Two of them will be the home team. will be the home team, but playing in Spokane. We play Everett. We'll be in Everett. So just know if you want to watch the M's play in the playoffs and possibly win another championship, which we've done a couple times since yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it won't be at home. And so that's, that's, that's the new world we live in, which is why we need a stadium, which is why we need to find a home of our own and kind of get back to our roots and bring the ball, bring the team back to the community. Yeah. And it'll create a lot of opportunity, a lot of jobs, you know, like you said, 66 games, or whatever it is, uh, home games a year, but that's not yeah. the only thing that would be at the stadium. You know, it no, it's be- not the only thing. I mean, we have some economic feasibility stuff, but you know, a, a year-round stadium is going to bring about two hundred and ninety full-time equivalent jobs. Yeah, yeah, it's a big employer. Yeah, so, and then you know, yeah. I mean, I just I'm excited about the idea of outdoor events, especially if it ends up in Springfield, because I just there's not really a spot for that. I mean, I guess Island Park does some events, you know, that that are fun, you know, but a stadium. Can you can- imagine outdoor show? At PK Park, on the bend, no effects, takes the stage. It's 
going to be epic. That would be incredible. Yeah. And they are getting pretty old and sloppy, just like all of us. But like, <laughs> so I saw. They're still great. Yeah. Still so you're great, from LA. Huh? So you're definitely from the SoCal area that, yeah, I grew up with no effects. We had talked about that off air. That's my favorite band. And I got to see them in, in Denver recently. And man, they are definitely sloppy. But, you know, a lot of it had, they said that they hadn't practiced in two years, you know, because of COVID and stuff. And so I'm happy to see some shows happening, you know, Cuthbert opening up and, uh, like you had talked about the challenges of vaccine cards and all that stuff. It's really difficult. Hopefully we just, I mean, we're going to get to a point where you either are vaccinated or you're infected. And so then hopefully maybe then it starts to finally pass. I don't know. We're in for, we will get through this. I don't know what the answer is that either man, none of us do. It's pretty challenging, but super challenging. so what is the, you got four games left. When's the last game? So we're back home uh, September 7th through 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, 10th is a double header. We're giving away these really cool caps on September 10th, designed by Mr. Chris Rohaley out of Area 51 Tattoo. In oh, cool. Yeah, so he designed the caps for us. Uh, that's on the 10th. And then we're doing our baseball card set giveaway on the 8th, which is Wednesday. Um, and we're doing a suicide prevention night on Tuesday. Um, and then our last Thirsty Thursday, which is the most popular night uh, outside of Star Wars night, yeah, um, is going to be on the ninth. Suicide Prevention Night. That is amazing that you do that. You know, I've I've spotlighted uh, suicide prevention on the podcast a couple times uh, with Sarah Schofield, and so that's near and dear to my heart. So uh, you know, that's really cool that you guys do some of those social causes. I know it kind of causes some issues i know pride night people were like you know but it was a wonderful day you know you know so i don't care i know we're gonna do pride night we're gonna do juneteenth we're gonna do monarchist baseball yeah we're gonna use our platform to put out a a message of love and hope and all the good things i think that i think we have an opportunity to talk about some people say just play baseball well we do play baseball just watch the game Totally. Uh, but yeah if you're not into it just focus on the field exactly well alan it's really great to chat with you i appreciate it uh, I'm going to end this with a song. My new album, sure. Begin Again, comes out on Spotify September 9th. If you'd like to listen to it and buy a copy of the digital download, you can do that today, though, at strpod.com slash begin again. So I'm going to end this with the title track called Begin Again. So, yeah, uh, once again, uh, Alan Benavides, thank you very much. It's been wonderful talking to you. This is me, Patty Rose, with Begin Again. I feel it in my soul. I feel it in my bones. An overwhelming gift. An overwhelming gift. I feel it in my soul. I feel it in my bones. An overwhelming gift. An overwhelming gift. Stuck inside my brain. No, I'm stuck inside my brain. Then I'm gonna lose it all. I'm gonna lose it all.
my back Face the facts, I can't relax The anxiety attack Face the facts, I can't relax The monkey is on my back Face the facts, I can't relax The anxiety attack Face the facts, I can't relax The monkey is on my back Face the facts, I can't relax The anxiety attack Face the facts, I can't relax The monkey is on my back Face the facts, I can't relax The anxiety attack Face the facts, I can't relax Let me repent my sins.